Blessings to you and your family. Today's episode is an interview with Ben Griffin, who is the executive director of Link Twin Cities. And you'll find in this interview that uh, he is a man of great wisdom, uh, both when it comes to inner city missions, but also just the practical Christian life. We'll talk about spiritual disciplines. We'll talk about parenting advice that he has. And also you'll hear some very interesting stories about what mission in the inner city looks like. I think you'll enjoy this. I very much enjoyed sitting down with Ben and uh, conversing with him. Um, also, if you can do two things for us, first, very simply, if you can take three seconds and click that like button, it is amazing how much those three seconds helps this video reach out to other people. So if you think other people should be hearing this message, simply take those three seconds and click that like button. Also, secondly, we're always looking for feedback for topics, questions that you might have. If you put those questions in the comment section, we do read all of our comments and we take those comments to heart for our future content. So thank you for all of your support. God bless and enjoy. All right, and we're live. Ben Griffin. Yeah, sir. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. How was the drive in from downtown Minneapolis or close to downtown? Yeah, well, Waconia is a beautiful area, man. The drive's always awesome. Yeah. Yeah, winter or fall, you name the season. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Yeah. But first, can you just tell for our listeners who mm -hmm. don't know you and the work you do, kind of what you do, a little bit of what brought you there, some of your passions? Yeah, yeah. So I've always been on the entrepreneurial side of ministry. So for me, started out a couple years as an associate pastor, but pretty quickly within four years was planting a church. And then that church was planting churches. And so right from the get-go, that was my first 14 years of ministry. And then the last seven or so, I've been working with an organization called LINC, L-I-N-C, which stands for Leaders in Every Community. And uh, we get to do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, basically, um, we help people start businesses, nonprofits, and ministries in really hard to reach communities, bring tangible hope and help to, to hard to reach communities with the gospel. So, I mean, so very specifically, that means we're helping people start like a home for victims of sex trafficking, which I know some people uh, around your church have been involved in and, and had some insight in over the years on that, uh, which is, by the way, and this is a, a side, you yep. may, may, may or may not want to keep this going, but that is back on track and uh, really exciting to talk about uh, Good, with yeah. that thing, with that moving forward. Uh, all sorts of different uh, ethnic groups that we work with, helping churches launch in different languages, uh, but also things like down in Dallas, we got a guy starting a barbershop uh, specifically with the gospel. So hmm. somebody's got a gospel dream on their heart. We help them get that off the ground, and uh, it is a really rewarding work. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Do you find that that entrepreneurship approach has that I mean a couple different stages yeah. of your ministry? I mean, how essential is that to kind of fulfilling your role, you know, as a pastor or even just as a Christian, right? Of, of kind of just kind of thinking yeah. and engaging. Yeah, man. Entrepreneurship, as far as our role as pastor and a Christian. Yeah, sorry. I got to think on this one. So you're going to have to edit, Bennett. <laughs> 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 I'm going to make you work later. Sorry about that. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think innovation is a lost, is, is a, innovation is a part of Christianity mm -hmm. that is resurging. Mm -hmm. So if you think back in the US to uh, maybe the 50s or just a number of decades ago, uh, who was starting hospitals? Who was starting colleges? Who, like, like entrepreneurship and gospel work were intertwined intimately in mm -hmm. ways that we see 
everywhere today. A number of those organizations, you take a Harvard, for example, has kind of moved in different directions over the years, a lot of hospitals or even the YMCA. But what was the heart behind all of those was a gospel movement. And so today there's a resurgence of innovation in gospel movement. And I do think that Christians and pastors should be thinking about it that way because our culture has shifted. If you look over the last number of decades, there have been some distinctive shifts in our culture and how the church relates to it. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, there was a time when everybody looked on the church favorably. If you were a Christian, it was a positive thing. It was, in fact, you could even say there was social pressure towards being a good Christian church-going person. Uh, And then in the 60s and 70s, that started to switch into more of a neutral. And uh, from those decades on, the church was looked at in a neutral light. Like, hey, we're not we're not against it, but we're not we're not necessarily all about it either. Mm -hmm. And then in about 2014 is when there was a switch and the church went from being neutral to being in many eyes looked at in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you're going to hear about uh, from that we, we all hear about from our neighbors and from other people, how it's portrayed, how, how Christians are portrayed on uh, online and on TV is, is in a negative light. And it's fascinating to me that what people will say is that we're not helping the poor, we're not serving, that Christians are just serving themselves. Mm-hmm. But what I see is a resurgence of innovation focused on serving the deepest needs of our of our society um, and bringing the gospel to bear in all those places. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, I think uh, resurging the the love your neighbor call that all us Christians have. Yeah, I love that. So one of I, I was in business before I went to seminary, mm-hmm. so I'm technically second career. Fascinating. And, um, and entrepreneurship. I had a company for two years. And one of the things, I kind of felt like I had to let it die when I went to SEM. I was like, oh, I, I do love kind of that entrepreneurship aspect. That's what drove mm-hmm. me before. And when I went into SEM, I was like, oh, I got to let that go. And then I got into ministry. And I mean, this podcast is kind of a result of of that. And the church's trinity is very like-minded in this way as well. So that's why that that really worked. But I've just kind of realized, no, 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 those, those two actually go very well together. The only shift is previously entrepreneurship was how do I create something that makes me good money and maybe give me free time? And now the entrepreneurship is I've got a, a much higher calling in my life, yes. not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm recognizing the gospel calling. And then you say, okay, that's something even more so to strive for. So I should be even more ambitious in achieving Man. goals that are oriented towards that that heavenly vision. Oh, that's so true. And, and I think that blend is really important. So if you're running a business, the best business is run with the heart of a nonprofit. It has a mission. Hmm. And the best nonprofit is run with the systems of a business. It has it has that that operational excellence. Mm-hmm. And for some reason along the way, those got separated. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if you're running a church or a nonprofit, we're not really worried about operational excellence. Like, why wouldn't we? Because we have the greatest mission. Yeah. Like, yeah. so let's do it the best we can. And if you've got, if you're just running a, a business or entrepreneurial spirit to make money for yourself, I, I can't think of anything more empty in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, please have a higher purpose. Yeah. And if you do, man, we're, we love, we love helping people make that happen. Yeah. When Adam Kuntz came on, he mm-hmm. said, uh, cause I think he was, I think he was on route for more of either uh, lawyer or kind of hedge fund and financing. That was his kind of original route. And then, then he shifted, obviously he went into theology and he's a pastor and such now. Um, but he said one rule he's always applied is, am I approaching 
my job here in the church with the same kind of vigor and excitement and kind of a go-getter mentality to the same degree I would have if if today meant I could make, you know, $15,000 today, right? Wow. If I was a hedge fund manager or a wow. lawyer and just keeping that same ambition to say you should be being a Christian or working towards that shouldn't make you more lazy or relaxed that you should be more yeah. gung-ho. Yeah. I mean, just think about the Western tradition. Yeah. How did all of these great cathedrals get built? Because people people believed when they started working on those, I'm going to work on this for the next 30 years yep. and it's going to be finished 30 years after I'm dead. Yep. And I'm still willing to work on this day in and day out because I believe in a higher calling yeah. than myself. I love that. Yeah. I love that vision. That's so, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that, that applies to much of what you do a couple of different areas. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into, I want to get into some parenting Yeah, okay. uh, because you've got a lot of wisdom there, especially because your, your kids are now all in college. So they you've are. got a unique yep. perspective. Yep. So I have no money, but I also yeah. have an empty nest. Yes. <laughs> but I've also got an empty nest. Um, so you've got that. Um, but do you want to talk about if you can explain a little bit more about what link does, but just some of yeah. your unique perspectives of these kind of entrepreneurship yeah. type approaches of how the gospel takes root especially in these inner city and as you said, some of these difficult yeah. situations. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So wh where, where do you want to go first here? Let's go with, um, what, one thing I'm definitely interested in is what do you notice? So if you're looking at, I'm, I'm here in suburbia. Yeah. Um, a lot of our listeners are probably not in places like close to downtown Chicago, yeah. close to downtown Minneapolis, downtown Houston, yeah. downtown San Francisco. What does it look like there? Because yeah. I know what it looks like here in the suburbs. Yeah. What does it look like there? What are, what are the problems that you see? Yep. And then, then pivoting off of that, what are the solutions that you see? Yeah. I, it, it's interesting. And I think in, in Minnesota in particular, ever since George Floyd, the divide between urban and suburban has grown. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the police are overwhelmed. There's less of them in Minneapolis. So uh, we've got one guy uh, who is a, a, a friend of ours who lives in North Minneapolis. He leads a micro church in his home and, and is serving the community, does a lot of mentoring stuff. And the house next door to him went vacant and basically was taken over and turned into a drug house. Mm. And he has shared with us videos from his ring doorbell. I mean, you're, I don't know what your ring doorbell shows you, you know, like when your Amazon package comes mm -hmm. and the little kid next door wants to come play, his ring doorbell is uh, basically drive-by shooting and his he's like putting his kids on the ground and it, while hoping no stray bullets hit them and while, while somebody is spraying the house next to him with bullets and just, just some really hard stuff. And right now, right now in Minneapolis, the police don't show up in those active shooter situations, they'll come after that has everything is kind of subsided because they don't want to get caught in a gunfight. Wow. And, and, and there's already so much distrust and, and hurt and pain there. So, so there's some definite issues going on there. It doesn't mean it's all bad and destitute, uh, but there are some struggles and some stories that are simply not being shared mm -hmm. uh, outside of those communities. If that was happening, uh, let's say in a Waconia, Minnesota, uh, you better believe that some people are going to be like, hey, this is an issue. It needs to be dealt with right now, this crack house. But but uh, it's a different story in some of those neighborhoods. And homelessness has been on the rise uh, in a tremendous way. So so what's happening there is uh, the, the drugs right now that are out on the street, um, some of them are so potent that somebody will have one hit and be addicted. 
Mm. And so what's happening, especially in, we have so many immigrants in our, in our city. So what's happening in some of those communities is you get a young man who gets into a circle who, or, or, or a young woman, whoever gets engaged in a drug, they, they're hooked on a drug really quickly and their family does, they basically kick them out of the house. Mm. A lot of the homelessness happening right now in Minneapolis we're talking 15, 16, 17-year-old young men hmm. uh, who uh, who are strung out on drugs. And a number of the homeless camps, they actually break down into some type by age or uh, or even ethnic uh, of, of backgrounds. And so some some really hard, some really hard situations going on there. So so when we're thinking of homeless, we typically think of the old veteran who maybe has, you know, had some trauma and is unable to cope with life, but the majority are are actually much younger than that. Mm. Uh, I had a kid who was a part of my church out on the east side who uh, he he went homeless at the age of 19 and he had heard that if you just go on the street uh, for long enough, somebody will give you a free place to stay. And and frankly, the, the road was, uh, I think he's in a better place now, but there are definitely some hard paths that, that, that happened there. So, so just to give a picture of some of the things going on, there are some real issues, some real deep issues. And yet the solution to those issues um, are the same ones no matter where you are. And, and let me be clear, even though those issues are happening in our city and and the resources are needed, it doesn't mean those are any less needed in our suburbs or that there aren't people struggling just as deeply. I think sometimes we're just better at covering it up mm-hmm. uh, in different communities or um, uh, some in some cases we have uh, we have better systems to deal with them, but but there are, there are definitely some issues going on. And then a third issue that that we see is uh, along the side of of youth, especially kids. So when COVID knocked everybody out of school for a couple years, I mean, think about it. If you're in a suburban home, you've got a computer, you're able to keep up to some degree. You probably have some adults around you helping you. Mm-hmm. A number of kids in the inner city in particular, A, they don't have the technology. They just disappeared for that period mm-hmm. of time. So they weren't getting help. B, even if they did have the technology. So my wife is a teacher at inner city school. She was trying to do teaching and a kid would just turn on the volume on his computer and the noise happening in the background, TV with profanity and I mean, horrible stuff there. The noise just of all these people going on. It's, it's really challenging. So if you're in uh, suburb Minnesota and your kids want to go outside and play, you let them go outside and play. Many families, especially immigrant families, uh, they just keep their kids locked up in the house with them because that's where they feel the safest. Mm. And and there's um, a lot of isolation. And then there's a learning gap that has happened, spe- especially in reading for a certain a generation of those, a couple of grades of those kids. And so so those are some of the issues that that we're seeing. Uh, there are certainly plenty other ones, um, but but we aren't without hope, mm-hmm. and we certainly aren't without help because of Jesus. And that's where I say, man, I just I feel like a lot of people think the world is just getting worse and worse, and that the church is losing influence. And it and and you can make arguments for that, but in the world I live in, I see the gospel at work in profound, in powerful ways every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, our Link Twin Cities director here in the Twin Cities, uh, his name's Chris Bellinger. 
It, he literally is out on the streets of Minneapolis every day. He goes to a place. He calls one area. He calls Murderapolis. He's like, it's like it's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. He's out there every day, handing out meals and engaging people. Um, and it's incredible. It is incredible that um, that though there's temptation to go to a hopeless place, there is so much good that is still happening, uh, and the gospel is at the root of it. How do people respond? So murder app. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. What, what's the gentleman's name? Yeah, Chris. Chris. So Chris goes yeah. down there. You sound like a yeah. daily basis. So like two questions. What's yeah. what's the demographic there? And I don't mean ethnically, but I mean yep. murder appless. There's some people going around committing murders. Yep. I'm guessing that's not 50% of the people that are there, right? That's no, probably a small no. percentage. So what yeah. what kind of people is he running into and then how are they responding to him? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a deeper question to ask him. I I can just speak from my perspective. He'll He'll say things like, you got to learn to keep your head on a swivel because mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to be aware of your surroundings, yeah. uh, which is real. He's been down there. And one time I was hanging out with him and, I, and I'm looking at his car and, and I'm like, Chris, there are holes in your car. Like, what's up? Like right, right in the, the, the hood of his car. And he's like, oh yeah, my, I walked away from my car for a couple of minutes and there it got shot up. <laughs> Five bullets in his car. Isn't that crazy? Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Cause when they got these thing called, things called switches. Where they will take a a regular gun and the switch turns it into an automatic, but without any control. So they just pull the pull the trigger and it just sprays bullets. And so the percentage of people doing that, I still think, is not the majority. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, uh, but there's also a ton of distrust. Uh, I don't know how many people know this, but the I think this is far. And to my knowledge, it's the only one in the U.S., but I don't know this for sure. Uh, as as the case, but in Minneapolis, there's a neighborhood called Little Earth that I think is the only urban um, Native American community, hmm. and and there's a lot of distrust in the city for people who just kind of come in and and um, man are are doing help in a way that. That is for their own good, not for the people that they're that they're serving. They're coming in for the experience. Yep. Yeah, there than, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, like missionary, a missionary. It's like a vacation to the urban environment. We're gonna come. Yep. We're gonna come visit it and see it, and we can give people experiences that are way better than that in mm-hmm. the in the community, talking to people, engaging. But there is kind of this kind of drop in mission trip to the to the city that isn't always helpful. It is a real issue. I mean, I don't want to yeah, uh, yeah. divert too much from what you're talking yep. about, but you know, I, I mean, I remember reading even a couple of books on it. Toxic charity, mm-hmm. right, is one. But there's this desire to go have an experience in a tough area, That's it. and then it becomes a cocktail party conversation thing. Yep. Like, did I tell you about the time I went to uh, Kenya? Like, yeah. oh yeah, you should have seen, you know. Or did I tell you about this time I went to like downtown Minneapolis? Yeah, right. it was really. And you can share those kind of stories. It's not like you can't talk about missions right. or experiences. But once, what is your goal, right? Is it really to pour in? And if it is, it's, it. you're probably going to orient everything that you do in a different way. And I don't want to, talking about this, I don't want to stop people from serving because there are, yep. there is a need. We need you to come in and serve. What we, what we don't want is, is what you just said, is people coming in. And the real motivation is the selfie or the, mm-hmm. the opportunity to tell the story like it, like, uh, like getting that getting that trip that that moment that mm-hmm. you can that you can post versus really really being there yeah which is what my heart is we we just want to raise up people in the communities that they're already in to make the big to make a difference because that's that's how it happens mm-hmm. that's where it happens
Yeah. So that Native American yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, so that Native American community um, is Little Earth, but it is one of the hardest communities to reach because the distrust, especially of European descended white skinned people, is so strong mm-hmm. uh, and and has such a uh, hits some historically hard veins there that um, that bridging those gaps is huge. There's mm-hmm. one guy down there who is a who is a white guy who has spent decades building trust and relationship and and is able to engage people in a positive way but it wasn't a drop in drop out it was a i'm here i'm present i'm not leaving i'm in this with you yeah it makes me think uh when i was pastoring a church years ago we went to a local women's shelter that we chose to kind of engage in Mm -hmm. and and serve and when we went there they asked us what we wanted to do and our answer was whatever you need Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what to say because nobody ever told them, we're here to serve your needs. People would come to serve and say, uh, this is what we want to do. We mm-hmm. want to make you meals. We want to have a party. We want to we want to do uh, crafts with your kids. But to just come and say, we want to serve what, where does your deepest need? Let us serve you was, was an uncommon thing for them. Mm. And then we got put to the test. So we'd been there about six months. And what their biggest need was, uh, is childcare for the moms so that they can just have a break because mm-hmm. they're with their kids 24 seven. So we're like, okay, every Wednesday night we would go there and somebody would be watching kids and the moms would do their things. And our team started saying stuff like, what is the purpose of this? We're watching kids so that they can watch wheel of fortune and play games on their phone. Like, mm-hmm. why are we doing this? And we said, Hey, we said, we're going to serve the need that they need. We're going to stick with it. And then one of our volunteers got bonked on the head with a metal toy by one of the kids and got a concussion. And then everybody was like, what are we doing here? And we just, we had a sit down. We talked about it. We said, listen, we committed to be here. We're going to keep loving them and serving them in this way. And then not two weeks later that the shelter came to us and said, man, thank you guys for being faithful. I know it's been hard. We've been thinking it would be really helpful to have a Bible study for the women would you mind not just watching kids, but doing a Bible study? Mm-hmm. And then we started a Bible study there that we did for the next 10 years, every single Wednesday. Saw wow. women come to faith, discipled women who started discipling other women. And it all started by just saying, we're first here to love you and serve you, not with our agenda, but but with, uh, with, with an ear to what you need mm-hmm. and persevering when it was hard. Yeah. And that's that's when things change. And that's when the director there, I think what happened is she became an advocate for us when she saw that, okay, there's something different here about how they're they're serving. And so again, I don't want to scare people away from getting involved in doing mission work or going into the city and building those relationships. I just want to say if it's a if it's a one-time visit, um, there are opportunities to to have those experiences. But you want to make an impact, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Dive in. Yeah. What yeah. are some good success? I mean, that's a good success story. What are some mm-hmm. good success stories you've seen in Minneapolis, in particular, or the mm. Twin Cities through Link? Because I know, like, you, I, yeah, go ahead. But I mean, I know you guys pour into, you know, Somalian communities, yep. right? And you raise up leaders, and there's all sorts of. If you ever go to like Link's website mm-hmm. and you look at the different missions, mm-hmm. you guys have. There's a, I don't want to call it a smorgasbord, but it's yeah. just, there's so many yep. different styles. Yeah. And there's from not, micro schools to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To church ministries, to homeless ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
uh, you name it, to, to food, to Latinos in Shakopee who are serving Latinos uh, uh, with the gospel, et cetera. I think one of the stories that sticks out to me, you mentioned Somali, so this came to mind for me. The Somalis are one of the hardest groups to reach with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Somalis, there are over 100,000 of them in the Twin Cities general area. Really? And okay. 99.9% of them are Muslim. In fact, the word Somali and Muslim are pretty much interchangeable. Hmm. And there's stories in the Somali, like in the Somalian community, uh, their parents are afraid of two things. One, that their kids will become a terrorist and be radicalized. And two, that their kids will become a Christian. Hmm. Like those are their two biggest worries being in the US and they work extremely hard to shelter them from those quote unquote bad influences. And notice Christians are lumped right in there with radicalized. So it's the same. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, like they could be <laughs> yeah. a Christian or a yeah. terrorist, like yeah. either one is just yeah. as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Hmm. And so- where, where does that come from? Do you know? Um, that idea. I'm not sure. I just know that for, especially the Somali community, if you were to, con- if you convert- from Islam, you are you are no longer a part of your family. Hmm. And we're talking, you know, um, European mindset is more independent. Um, uh, an African mindset is extremely family oriented. So to be cut off from your family is to be cut off from community and identity in a way that um, most of us can't understand. And there's threats in the communities. Like, hmm. like you're, you'll hear things like uh, there's stories that go around about a guy who who became a Christian and then he flew back to Somali and they killed him the second he got off the plane. Or, I mean, that those kind of, those are the kind of things that get spread around in the community. Wow. And so when you see a Somali come to Jesus, I share all that to say it's significant. It's also really hard to make inroads into that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we measure or, or are working to measure even better is a thing we call the Dawn Ratio, D-A-W-N. And it stands for Disciple a Whole Nation. And so the Dawn Ratio, and we got this from a guy named John Mayer, who uh, who's not the musician. He's a good but singer, this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looks a lot like yeah. Bennett, actually. Yeah, yeah, it looks like <laughs> Bennett. Yeah, that's not the one. Uh, but uh, cool guy who does basically uh, data insight diving in uh, on uh, the history. He got a whole book, actually, on the history of of the church and Christianity here in the in the Twin Cities. But we got this from him. Disciple Whole Nation says, when does a group of people, a nation, hit a tipping point for the gospel? Mm-hmm. And there's a ratio. The ratio is when there's one dynamic gospel-centered ministry for every thousand people, it, it hits a tipping point. Mm. So if, so when you go, how are we going to reach all these Somalis? How are we going to reach all these people? If you say, hey, we've got these 10 ministries going, like 10, there's over 100,000, right? So we need over 100 different focused ministries. And when that starts to happen and collaboration starts to happen, we hit a tipping point. So what I can share are some small pieces where we begin to see God moving, but when, but but we work towards raising up an army of people mm-hmm. so that we can see that saturation point, that, that turning point in a community. It is a lot easier to reach a Somali with the goodness of Jesus here in the U.S. than it is in Somalia. But, I mean, way, way easier. So Somalia basically entirely Muslim? It is a, it, almost exclusively. Okay. Yep. There is um, right ne- Somalia is right next to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of Ethiopians in the Twin Cities as well. And Ethiopians um, are really key to reaching the Somali people. Mm. They're similar yeah. enough culturally. And because of that proximity on the 
on the uh, eastern side of of uh, Africa that and, and a lot of Christian Ethiopians have a heart for the Somali community. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really huge. And so all that to come back to sharing a, you asked a success story and yep. took the pastor long route around. To get this is to good. It, it paints it yeah. a good picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. But to just understand the significance of this. So one of our, one of the pastors that we've been walking with in the Twin Cities here, uh, his wife uh, was uh, connected to a daycare and, a, and somebody else at that daycare was a Somali woman. And that Somali woman was sad, always sad, crying and upset. And and one day, uh, his pastor's wife says to her, like, what you know, just kind of engages her and invites her into her home, which which uh, she she took, and they started to talk to her, get deeper, and ultimately um, started to have the deeper spiritual conversation. And this woman, um, this woman began to manifest like demonic manifestations yeah. like like screaming and yelling and and like to the stuff to the point where like the neighbors they're like we're afraid the neighbors going to call the cops so they're like closing the windows because they're in the moment like they they're sharing the gospel with her yeah. and she the response there's a lot going on but it in the end of this she comes to to uh to profess Jesus as savior and everything changes for her hmm. Everything changes. She is now uh, an active participant in one of the Ethiopian churches here in the Twin Cities. The cost for that family-wise, I can't even imagine. You often hear about Somalis who are actually believers of Jesus who still go and do all the other things. They're just they're they're covert Christians mm-hmm. uh, because they want to stay connected to their family so that they can share the gospel with them, and because they love their own families, uh, while at the same time that they are followers of Jesus. Um, so. We're praying, we hear, you know, we get to be a part of these stories in little pieces and we hear other ones, but we're praying that over time we get to see more and more of this. There's even a couple of young couples who have moved into the apartment complex called Cedar Riverside, which is almost exclusively Somalis. And they live there um, for the purpose of building relationship long-term and engaging so that they can share life and share the gospel. That's all in. Yeah. (laughs) That's truly all in. Yeah. Yep. Whole nother story. Yeah. So uh, kind of a side question. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to send in the story? Because I'm going to kind of Yeah, shift. yeah we're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how much of the things that you see going on with like the drug usage or yeah. certainly some of this where it's, you can see Islam completely kind of holding on to an entire community yeah. like that. Yeah. How much of that is, can, can you attach to uh, some demonic influence? And of mm. course we would say the yeah. devil is behind anything that's going to be contra- yeah. The yeah. cross and contra the gospel, but you know, you talked about manifestation. Yeah, those things happen much more in mm-hmm. countries like in Africa they and do. Kenya. Um, do you see a lot of that? Yeah, uh, probably more than people realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm often surprised when I'm talking to other pastors the that my experiences aren't more common. Seeing seeing more of those demonic things, being involved in situations or talking about things where there are there are more manifestations in that regard. Um, but that is also, I think, just the the nature of the circles and the place place that we're in. It, it's interesting to me if you go to Ethiopia and you go to an evangel even uh, evangelistic crusade or something like that that's mm-hmm. happening you will see a stadium like we have football stadiums filled 
you will see a, a stadium filled with people, 100,000 people for a gospel, gospel evangelical movement. Hmm. And, and thousands upon thousands of people coming to know Jesus as Savior. Then you come here to the U.S. with the same people. And, and I've heard this. I've talked to multiple pastors and leaders who are like, it is so much harder to reach people, even in the same community, people from the same root place here in the U.S. than it is to reach them there. Hmm. And part of it is because the indoctrination of the U.S. that we don't, we don't need God. You, you, you have enough that you think that you don't need him. Uh, and I'm not, I guess this isn't hitting the spiritual side as much, but I also think that there is a, and this happens in the church, there is a disconnect between understanding the spiritual realities that are all around us uh, because um, because the way Satan has worked in our culture has been to uh, to bury that here. Mm-hmm. And so it comes out in all these sideways where in Africa it is very much uh, manifested much more in front of you, much more broadly. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. I mean, even when you read kind of in a different lane, but even when you read um, like church fathers and stuff yeah. and such, the spiritual realm is so... It's just so, so matter of fact to them yeah. that it interweaves in everything that they're doing. So, they, I mean, if you're reading a church father, they're giving a very, I don't know, philosophical story, but certainly very academic, very mm-hmm. high theological, like dissertation on something. And it's like interweaving with like right. demonic. I mean, so for instance, um, Athanasius writes yep. um, on the incarnation. And in that, it's kind of an apologetic to some degree. Mm-hmm. So he talks about what the incarnation is, right? You know, God taking on human flesh. And then he gets to kind of a proof case, right? So he's speaking to his audience mm. in the, what, fourth century? Yeah. And he's speaking to them and he says, how could you not know that Jesus is Lord? Because look at all of the, look at all of the exorcisms that have yeah. taken place. Yeah. So for him to That's say that means that he's, he knows that his entire audience yeah. knows that exorcisms are happening left and right and they have yeah. no explanation for that. Yep. So there's Athanasius, who's kind of the father behind the Athanasian creed. Yeah. And he, he sees demons being cast out left and right. And that's just matter of fact, like yeah. how would that not be happening? Oh, and man. so that was happening in the fourth century. It was happening in the first century. Yeah. Um, it's happening in places like Africa and yep. Southern America and China and stuff and a little bit more in the inner city, but that's yep. the norm. I think the exception to the rule is what we think of as norm where it's like, yep. well, we, we probably wouldn't ever see any real demonic influence in anyone's life over my life because, because we've been blinded or, or because yeah. the devil's strategy with us has been, as you put it, to kind of bury that. Yeah. Because if people start seeing that, they're going to say, hold up, maybe there is something spiritual. Yeah. And and the Hmong culture is very spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see a lot more in that culture about, and you have to understand too, there's a, there's a great book called The 3D Gospel, where there's different ways cultures interact with the gospel. And, and for instance, there's a there's a guilt innocence culture. That's typical American American culture, guilt and innocence. So mm-hmm. when we talk about Jesus, he has declared us free from our sins. Like so we are now innocent, he's taken on our guilt. But if you go to a power fear culture, which is what a Hmong culture is, which is also very animistic, which is also very aware of the spiritual mm-hmm. realities, then then the road to faith isn't as as the gospel isn't necessarily heard as you're free and forgiven in that way, it's heard it's heard as this God is more powerful than those spirits. Mm-hmm. And and uh 
Don't be afraid of those spirits because you know the power of God, the power to defeat the devil mm-hmm. and and sin. Uh, and then the other, the third major cult kind of way of, of approaching things is the honor shame. And in honor shame, uh, it's not about doing the right thing always. It's about saving face. And so uh, to hear the gospel in terms of Jesus became a curse for us, mm-hmm. he literally took on our shame so that we could be honored mm-hmm. uh and and, and it, it it's such a powerful powerful shift so as we think about how the gospel is shared and and even some of those spiritual realities part of uh part of that is um is i think understanding how cultures engage and and maybe this is a little bit of a rabbit trail but i have you i'm curious if you've had some experience with with some of those uh spiritual stuff or demonic manifestations because uh, mm-hmm. because i'll tell you I, i've had way more in ministry than i ever anticipated because mm-hmm. i didn't experience that a lot in in life up to this up, up to that point but i had one time i had a hotel getaway uh that somebody had given us a hotel and i took my kids when they were younger and my wife and we got to go to this place and at four in the morning i get a call uh, from somebody who says, uh, my roommate is possessed and wants to kill me. And uh, so I'm like, well, okay, call the police. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to call the police. I called you. I was like, well, <laughs> okay. It's like, um, well, I'll, I'll come over there, but I'm going to call the police. So I had yeah. like 911 dialed up and ready as I'm walking over the door. Remember, this is like now five in the morning and I'm coming up to the door. And on the way, I called an elder. So I had support yeah. from somebody who I still apologize to his wife sometimes. Like, Hey, remember that time I called you at four in the morning and said, Hey, somebody is, uh, is threatening to murder someone. Will you want to come with me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we went over there and, um, this guy had been manifesting, uh, a, a, a demon had ba- literally possessed and saying things like, like, uh, about the conversations that I like before, uh, I even got there, saying things like uh, uh, using our name or other people that he didn't even know were involved uh, in the conversation. But uh, so he knew yeah. things he should but not he have known. He knew things he shouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's a much simpler way to say it. Um, but long story short, uh, when we got there, that spirit like hid uh, and it stopped manifesting to the same same degree uh, very quickly. And um, yeah, I, I I have so many of these stories. Some some more involved, some some not uh, PG. But uh, go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. It doesn't have to be PG. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you want to share yeah. any of them, go, yeah, feel free. yeah. I don't know how deep we want to go in that. But uh, but I'll say this because maybe this is a better place to go with this. Because when mm-hmm. we could talk about this topic with people who aren't experienced in it, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it becomes fearful. Yeah. Or sometimes it becomes uh, yeah, maybe fearful is the word. So I had a personal experience with spiritual oppression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a in college, I I did this crazy job, door to door sales for a summer. Like, I did that as like, well. You that, did that is a crazy job. Yeah, w- with what company? So I did it with uh, Windows. Oh, I did it was Windows roofing, right. and I did all of that. And then when yep. I um I ran a contracting company, mostly wow. painting, and I would do that for myself, which I was enjoying. Nice. I was setting I'll up come paint your house. Things that I'll, I would come and nice. give an estimate. And, all right. So when Pastor but, Brian yeah. comes knocking at your door. Uh, it's either with a, uh, it's either a spiritual call or he's got a paintbrush in his hand. So. Hello, sir. How are yeah. you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I can still tell you the whole spiel that I yeah. had knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, which was just crazy. Um, oh my goodness, where was I going with that now? Oh, you were talking about a personal pressure. Oh yeah. So so I you when you go door to door, you see everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean. Yeah. Wow. 
there's so many different people. And uh, one time I had been uh, invited into a house uh, to kind of do the spiel and I'm sitting across from somebody and I could just tell, like, I don't know what it is, but sometimes you look somebody in the eye and you're just like, you're not the one looking back at me. Mm -hmm. Like there's something, something going on here. And, and when I left that house, I left with a spiritual oppression um, where there was a cloud, there was something. And the guys that I was with that summer, uh, believers, they noticed something's going on, something's up. And I, um, I experienced the heaviness and weight of that. And the way that that broke for me, and I'm sharing this because I don't want people to be afraid of this because mm -hmm. I, I, I remember this experience and I know where the power lies and, and who, uh, Jesus, the strength of his word and the truth of his word. But unbeknownst to me, my friends had recognized, hey, something's up. They remembered me talking about meeting this guy that freaked me out. And it was like, what was up with that? And they just called and created a prayer chain of, hey, everybody, we just need to be praying for Ben today. Mm -hmm. And that day, it was just like, it was like light breaking through the clouds. Like it was just gone. Mm -hmm. I came home that day and I'm like, guys, I don't know what's been going on with me, but it is, it is, I'm completely different. And they're like, man, we're not surprised because mm -hmm. today- we have been, we have all been praying mm. that God, God would uh, cut through that darkness. And so, telling those stories, sometimes we get caught up on focusing on the darkness, but the key is to focus on the light. Yeah. the light is where the power and the strength and the and the um, the real weight of glory and power is at. And I think that's one of the hard things in our society with Satan playing in the shadows mm -hmm. uh, is that when those things do manifest, uh, Christians freak out yeah. and uh, and can become more scared. Yeah. I'll, I'll share one story as well yes. for that same oh, reason. And this is, uh, I'll share one more personal as well. Yeah. So this was when I was on Vicarage, right? Mm -hmm. So Vicarage, I live, I live on my own. I'm not yet mm -hmm. married at this time. So I've got, I live kind of above. Still a fit, fit, fit vicar, not fit pastor. Fit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was stronger back then than I am now. My muscles are much shrunk, but um, you can do that when you live on your own and you don't have right. kids. Right. You know, you got he the was time. bulking. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So I live kind of upstairs above like a garage. It's kind of a, so anyway, so I'm, I, I go to bed and I wake up in the middle of the night and, um, I hear like this sweeping noise. It sounds like in my kind of living room, kitchen yep. area, it's a hardwood floor and I have sleep paralysis. Wow. So I don't know if you ever read sleep paralysis, yeah. but that's, that's no fun. So you're, you can't move. Yeah. But so you're, you're trying to like, yeah. So you're kind of, your eyes are kind of open. You can see your room and you're kind of in and out, but you hear, I'm hearing this noise. I'm like that there's some, it sounds like someone's sweeping, right? Yeah. So, okay, there's someone in there and I'm like, I got to get up. Like, and then I can't move. And then I hear like the door open or it wow. sounds like the door is open. And then immediately like, there's just a presence, right? And it's just, it's an undeniable presence. I, I don't know if I could say you see anything, maybe a little bit of mm -hmm. darkness, but it's more mm -hmm. so you just, you know, something's there. And then, um, so I'm trying to move. And then all of a sudden there's this heavy weight on me. So it wow. feels like someone's laying, it's, I shouldn't say someone, it felt more like a blanket. Like if you had one of those like yeah. 50 pound blankets. Yep. Um, so then I'm starting to freak out Yeah. and then I'm trying to think what to do. I go, okay, I need to say the Lord's prayer. Yep. Just kind of what else? Call so our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done. I think, I don't know if that's it. I think I was, thy will be done. Ooh. And at that moment I, I roll over and it's gone. Wow. And yeah. Call yeah. on the Lord. And it was just, and it was gone. But he, here's actually the really weird thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still frazzled, right? I don't yeah. come up victorious out of bed. Like, gotcha. You know, you're frazzled <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's five in the morning. So I'm like, okay, I just need to get up. 
So uh, my sister is a nurse. So I'm like, I'm going to call my sister. Yeah. So I call her. My phone wouldn't work. Like it just wouldn't connect to anything. Wow. Uh, wasn't wasn't an internet issue. Wow. Uh, didn't work for an hour. Just wow. had no context. So now I'm really freaking out. I'm like, I need to contact somebody to give me some yeah. kind of semblance of like, I'm okay. Um, anyway, so I, I went to the gym actually because I'm like, I need to go to a place that's <laughs> open. Pastor, and, I told and, you. <laughs> so get there and then eventually you know, get past yeah. it. Did call my sister up and yeah. like, okay, just want to make sure I'm awake, you yeah. know, but it was the point being, it was, you know, it was a terrifying moment for a moment. Yep. And then once I realized I could do that, I've had other small experiences like that, mostly yeah. like dream oriented. And now I've gotten to the point where if something like that happens to your point, it's not really a, a, that bad of an experience. I just yeah. know, call well, the name yeah, of, of course I know there's yeah. demonic presence in this world yep. and whatnot. You're there, call in the name of Jesus, and it's just kind of the end of it. Amen. Mm. Oh, man, that is so true. Yeah, there was another time in college when I have a friend who um, she was having dreams where she was seeing demons and would open her eyes, and they were like there. She was physically seeing mm -hmm. them. And um, I, I distinctly remember she was talking about this, and another friend of mine and I were there, and we're just like, we just we need to start praying for this girl. I I wasn't even in a strong spiritual place in my life, but I knew we needed to pray, mm -hmm. and so we started praying and praying, and it just felt like there was a wall we couldn't push push through. I remember saying to her, her name's Sarah. I remember saying, Sarah, I think you need to call on the name of Jesus. Like I think she, it was like she was holding on mm -hmm. to this thing, and and all she could do was whisper. Like Jesus help me. And it was like, it was like a, a break of like a physical change in mm. the atmosphere around us. And there was like a, a scream, like an animal screaming in the distance. And she was like, it's gone. Yeah. Wow. And it was just profound. Again, reminder where the power lies. And these, this is the world that we live in. Like uh, Pastor Demolesh, I don't know if you all have met him here in the mm -mm. Twin Cities at, at the age of 18. He went out uh, to like the remote villages in Ethiopia to speak the gospel. And he's like, all the things that you hear of the miracles, I saw hmm. like sick, healed. He goes, dead, raised. He goes, blind, could see. I saw all of it. And then he's like, and I came to the U.S. and I was like, where did the Holy Spirit go? Yeah. Like, he's like, he's like, I feel like Christians are worshiping football more than they're worshiping Jesus. Like, what's happening? Yeah. And this, this is a convicting statement. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost sl like sloth, the, you know, one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. It's almost like that, you know, whatever demonic power is behind sloth. Yeah. That's the one that seems to be living victoriously Apathy. here. Because people yes. just, you know, because like you said, if you go over to Ethiopia, and I've been yeah. twice, not a bunch, but you can see uh, a certain liveliness, I guess, yep. you know. And then yep. you come here and people are just like, oh, there's some good. Oh, there's some bad. You yeah. know, oh, there's sex trafficking going on. But like, I'd rather sit on my phone. Right. Like that's, that's tough to break through. And I'm sure there's yep. ways to break through, but it's, it's, yeah, that's tough. You're so right. We have a lot of slacktivists. Yeah. You know, like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, we need to do something about that. So I am going to post on my phone mm -hmm. and, or, you know, post on Facebook and then go about my life. Like, yep. man. I think there's this uh, Greek word. Uh, I put it on my Instagram recently because I just think it's such a cool word called spudadzo. Have you heard of this word? Uh, uh, go ahead. Spudadzo. You got to say it like you're Italian. Like yeah. spudadzo. Is it like your gut or something like that? No, no. But that's a, there's a similar word okay. like that for compassion. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, splagna maybe that's you're thinking, thinking of yeah. for compassion, which is the turning of your gut. Ooh, but okay. spudadzo is a fascinating word. 
because it, it captures both um, clarity of purpose and intensity of action. Mm-hmm. So if you have if you have clarity of purpose but no action, everything is just aspirational. It's mm-hmm. all like, yeah, I I know what I should do, but it's just slacktivism. Like just yep. okay, yeah. But if you have if you have action with no purpose, man, that's that's reckless and dangerous, like and <laughs> yeah. exhausting, right? Yeah. And I, it, it's like we're just doing, but we don't really know why we're doing. Mm-hmm. But just think about with clarity of purpose and intensity of action, and and in the scripture, it's interesting because Paul uses this word quite a bit. He talks about how we should have spudazzo in caring for the poor, mm-hmm. like purpose in caring for them, but also action. We should have spudazzo, he says, for unity. Like, like not just going, not, not just lip service to, hey, we're all on the same team, let's work together, but mm-hmm. like putting action into that. We should have spudazzo for pleasing Jesus. Uh, and then another one I think is fascinating, whole nother topic, but he goes, we should have spudazzo for the Sabbath. He talk, he uses that word, mm. and that's in Hebrew, so I don't think that's Paul, but, but we should have spudazzo for the Sabbath. In other words, not just giving lip service to, service to the Sabbath, but actually with intensity and purpose, taking a Sabbath. If you can talk like uh, of anything that's anti-American culture, it's actually like having a real Sabbath to delight ourselves in God, yeah. not about self-pleasure, but truly enjoying uh, the the fullness of of stopping and trusting Him. Yeah, and what what a tie back into the like, entrepreneurial spirit. Yes, right? if it's if it's just entrepreneurship for the sake of entrepreneurship, it can Bingo. be. Well, it's not slacktivism. It can be the reckless. Yeah, reckless. Me. Yeah. yeah, reckless. Yeah, we've all met those serial entrepreneurs who are just like, what? There's a lot of action here. Yeah, yeah. we have so much stuff here, right? <laughs> we have so much stuff in America because yes. there's people that figured out good entrepreneurship programs to make absolute crap and yeah. sell it to a bunch of people and make a bunch of money. Yeah. That's, you, you can go that route. You can go the slacktivism, right? Yeah. Where you just, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I believe I'm saved. I believe you're saved too. Yeah don't really want to do anything about it. Like, and then there's that middle ground where it's like, if you believe this, yes. use all of your ambition yes. and strive it towards the gospel and beautiful things come out of that. That's it. That it, it, one of the hard things in the U S is that marketing seems to win the day. Mm-hmm. It's not even about quality of product or, or mission. It's marketing. I know. And this is why I love what we do. I know s- so many people who have such a heart for the things of Jesus, um, they just want to serve him, mm-hmm. but they're not out there telling their story or they're not getting the funding because they aren't, they don't have the flashy way to get in front of people, but mm-hmm. they, but they're doing incredible work. And then I know others that are receiving funding, but that it's just like, it's just more facade. Like it looks really nice mm-hmm. and you, you paint a picture but underneath it, 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 it's like, is, is that really happening? And so and maybe I'm turning, turning the conversation a little bit, but to just get to that ambition, that clarity of purpose and intensity of action, when that is fueled by God honoring purpose, mm-hmm. that's just such a beautiful thing. And we want to pour more and more into that. And I, there's just so many people who are out there who have that heart, who, uh, who are not being seen. Mm-hmm. and and there's so many people who are cl- who are getting attention who I feel like, why are we giving them attention? Mm-hmm. Like in our society today, I've, I've watched this happen with a- athletes and I'm not going to use names, 
but I've seen athletes. Probably Ohio State graduates. Yeah, pr- yeah probably. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, we, we're we giving you Michigan just won the championship. Yeah, so I, we, I get yeah, a little yeah, pass yeah. for like a couple of weeks. <laughs> nice. But uh, you, you mentioned athletes. and you Yeah, just, uh, I see so many athletes who like, I, I, I won't mention the name in particular, came into the NFL uh, at the time uh, was a name, but not really well known. Would serve in no- local young life. Would go to Christian things, talk about Jesus, and and over time has completely changed. Now an uber famous athlete who is uh, not about the things of Jesus, mm-hmm. much more about spiritualism and all all this other stuff. And I th- and I think this is a theory of mine. You can tell me what you think about this, but I think what's happened is started to believe all the hype of all the worship that all other people were giving to him. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that God created us to worship, but he did not create us to receive worship. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when we people receive worship from others is we start to believe that we're in a seat that we are not in. And I think it is a really dangerous place mm-hmm. um, where, where um, we're, man, I, I just fear for people like that mm-hmm. who uh, who have started to live in a world where they're, they're they're acting as if you know they they are divine or god or have mm-hmm. you know believing things that that are that i fear for the day when jesus returns for people like that yeah yeah and, and i think the key is right you have to you have to know that that's well we'll just put it this way we just did a study on the seven deadly sins yeah we do uh kind of semi- quarterly seminars and that was this last one and the first two so the way it kind of yeah. the seven deadly sins work is you can kind of think of like a mountain. This is how Dante does yep. in, in his trilogy. And the ones at the bottom are the heaviest, like mass, mm. right? You know, so those are really tough to get out of. And as you get to the top, those are much easier to get out of. Lust is actually the mm. top. That's the last mm. seven deadly sins. So that's mm. that's the one that we always kind of think of. That's the worst. And certainly you can watch, yep. you know, the devastation of lust. None of the seven deadly sins are, wow. are no big deal. Yep. But the ones on the bottom are first pride and second um, yeah. envy. Yeah. And both of those, pride is, pride is pride but envy is called the daughter of pride and envy is really all about you want the glory and you want the fame yeah so you know thomas aquinas says envy is uh feeling feeling angry or sad when somebody else gets fame yep and because you want it all for yourself so that's you know if you look at it through that lens that's going to be one of the chief dangers in your life is you're going to be searching for honor and fame that belongs to god so if that's one of the deadliest things and it's going to be one yep. of the most potent, then that affects every single one of us. And yep. therefore, we have to have active plans on how do you react against that? Wow. Um, I don't know. Have you, do you, you've talked before about how you, you like spiritual disciplines, yeah. you know, and yeah. physical disciplines, yeah. but do you, do you have any kind of spiritual disciplines in oh, that, yeah. in that area to yeah. speak to? And I'd love to talk, talk to that. Yeah, and let's do it. At first, another thought c- comes to mind as you talk about uh, kind of wrapping up that conversation with, um, with our culture today and, it, and, uh, and that, that pyramid you just talked about is when, when I was younger, and this is, this is a lot longer ago than when you were younger. But if you were to ask uh, people what they wanted to be when they grew up, you'd hear the the classic firefighter, astronaut, president. Um, now, when you ask young people what they want to be when they grow up, one of the most common things, influencer. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah. what are they actually chasing after? 
that just just as you said that envy the envy that that wanting the direction of uh, attention pointed towards them mm-hmm. uh, that we are now as a society raising up influencer as a position that I want and yeah. people are chasing after. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating counting our likes and all those. I mean, it is, it is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. 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 So, so that side is fascinating. So then, so then turn that into spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. If we don't have spiritual disciplines, I think it's really easy to slide uh, right into that. Um, the dopamine hit of our culture's uh, love of attention and everything being about that. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I, I do think that spiritual disciplines are under talked about in the church and probably under utilized in practice by by Christians. We don't become a stronger Christian. Be, we don't become Christians because of spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. but spiritual disciplines help us become uh, deeper and stronger followers of Jesus. It's kind of like I'm married to my wife. I don't become more married to her because we go on dates or you know have 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 deep conversations mm-hmm. but part of growing in my marriage relationship with with her is those things happen mm-hmm. and same thing with spiritual disciplines if you if you claim to be a follower of Jesus but aren't exercising spiritual disciplines then it's kind of like being married and and acting like you're not married yeah like and and neglecting a beautiful opportunity to grow deeper in the things of Jesus mm-hmm. and for me I always I always used to think of spiritual disciplines as like this separate thing like okay I go about the, my life and then I turn on spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and I think a big aha for me was that all of life is spiritual and spiritual disciplines speak into everything mm-hmm. so when you can when the Bible says uh, pray without ceasing, well, how do we do that? Now, imagine taking our own self-talk, and instead of talking to ourselves, we turn that towards talking to the Lord. Mm. So as we're in a situation, and and I know there's a small percentage of people don't have self-talk, but which is a whole other interesting topic. For those of us who do, which are there are actually people us, that don't? Oh, yeah, that's okay. a whole science. Because all day long, I'm, yeah. Yeah, there's a whole science of people who do, which is fascinating to me, because yeah. I've always got an inner dialogue going. Yeah. But imagine that inner dialogue turning towards God, which is also really powerful because are sometimes we're the worst people at talking to our we talk to ourselves worse than anybody else talks to us mm-hmm. you know we but to then import in those breath prayers those words of god mm-hmm. or to even just talk to him about the situations that we're in not just when it's five in the morning and we think there's a demon in the room yeah but but at every moment it changes it changes the dynamic or if you're a runner turn that into time that is prayer time or for me uh, when I lift weights, I'll often count using the fruit of the spirit, like mm-hmm. praying, Lord, hey, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And I don't always get past kindness, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, depending on what that point of failure is. But, but kind of drilling those things in, my wife will often memorize scripture as part of a meditation mm-hmm. uh, uh, for her day. Those spiritual disciplines they don't have to be mystic or different. They can mm-hmm. be a part of everything that we do. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines is just is just having a life where Jesus is at the center. Yeah. I love that. I think it's Ephesians, I don't know, four or five, one of those. Yeah. And there's this, it's in the King James Version. It's that translation. And it says, put off, I forget what it is in the ESV, but in the King James, it says, put off the, put off the old conversation with yourself yes. or the conversation with your old self and put on Christ. Ooh. So, so good. And I like that translation. It's a more accurate one, but it's more, it, it's actually 
it's put off the old self, put on the new self, yeah. but it's actually conversation. conversation. And the point is, wow. what are you doing in your in your kind of old sinful nature? Wow. You are having that discussion with it. What do you do before you ever sin? You always have a discussion yep. with yourself before you sin. You say, yep. ah, should I do that? Should I, you know, I, yeah, you should do this. You deserve it. You worked hard today. Yeah. Like, da, da, da. And then you do it. So put off that kind of conversation mm. with yourself. And now to your point, plug God in, plug Christ so into that good. conversation. And that becomes a barrier towards sin. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's a diet discipline to um, not go to the grocery store when you're hungry, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a diet discipline to to make the decision at the grocery store for the food that you're going to eat at home, mm-hmm. right? Make a good choice there. You're going to make a good choice later. It's the same thing in life. We want to avoid sin. Make the decision now for mm-hmm. the situation you're going to be in later. Yeah. Uh, gird yourself. Uh, strengthen yeah. yourself with those right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. I mean, this. I don't know. You you could be putting your finger on one of the biggest issues that we might mm-hmm. have. You know, I mm-hmm. think within the church is because most people you talk to, they don't have these kind of things, and they have they've never really even thought about having one. Right. It's not like it's like right. yeah, my pastor always talks about it, and I've said no. Yeah, like, I don't know. That seems kind of weird. Like it's become foreign. Yeah, and we don't. You can't operate any other way in life like that, right? No. You don't just go about and say. I don't know, I'll just eat whatever I happen to eat. You wake up and you say, well, I've got some kind of plan. Right. Like, I'm going to eat this for breakfast or this for lunch. Intentionality. You know, I need to work out this many times. Like you yep. thought those things through. And to your point, how many of us, and I would say my, for myself, not until two years ago when I got wow. kind of exposed to this stuff for the first time, yeah. did I ever really think I need to have these rhythms. I need yes. to have these practices. I need to have some kind of checkpoints. And yep. also I need to have physical checkpoints in people. Yep. Like I need to have yep. a fraternity of men specifically yep. or my wife as well, but that I talk to and plug in on, hey, are you doing these things? Or, hey, I'm struggling with this. But if you don't have those things in plan, like you're just going to drift through your day, spiritually speaking. Yep. Man, that is absolutely the truth. Yeah. So any any other ones that you'd highly recommend? Yeah. Well, for spiritual disciplines, we tend to overcomplicate them. Mm-hmm. It's, and we're missing out on the best stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like why do we uh, why do we um, focus less on the Sabbath commandment and mm-hmm. more on the other ones? I mean, I get yeah, I get yeah. not murdering people is pretty important, <laughs> right? I understand that. Yeah, but the Sabbath is Hence, right is, is one of the ten, right? Yeah, like, yeah even yeah. Murderapolis. Yeah, but but the Sabbath is an important one. It's it's almost like like God gave us a commandment that's like eat ice cream. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I want to eat ice cream. And spiritual disciplines are like that. It, yeah. I have a friend who says this, he goes, it, talking about diet and exercise, he says, nothing feels better than when you eat well and exercise. And, mm-hmm. and I would say the same thing spiritually. Nothing feels better than when you are in that place of spiritual discipline as a part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says this, but nothing feels better in the moment than doing the exact opposite. Yeah. So we're we're always a little bit at war with our future self. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, yeah, but this ice cream's right in front of me right now. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is. And so so it is the better stuff. Spiritual discipline is is the beautiful, awesome get-to part of the spiritual life. And yeah. somehow, Somehow we miss that and treat it like a work instead of a get to. Yeah, we're absolute buffoons. <laughs> we so are. Let me give yeah. you an example. So we're doing, Bennett's doing this too, but we're doing Exodus 90, which we've talked yeah. about before on the show. I won't go into all sorts of details, but one aspect of it is set aside 20 minutes of prayer every day, yes. like of of just dedicated, not like 10 here, 10 here. Yeah. And that's the area that I struggle with the most of mm. just doing that like for 20 minutes. I'll do yeah. kind of intermittent or, you yeah. know, driving and kind of like say yeah. for when I'm driving. So I just, I always find excuses not to. 
So yesterday was a good example or hadn't done it in a little while, um, probably five, six days or so. We're supposed to do it every day. And um, all of a sudden I feel like really stressed towards the end of the day. It's been one of those days when I've been kind of mm. like stretching a couple different areas. I'm like, I, I gotta, I'm going to go in the sanctuary and pray. And I do. And I'm like, I've got, I don't have a ton. I'm just going to do, I'll do maybe 10 minutes if I can. Yeah. Like making excuses. And went 10. Then I I'd end up going to 20. And I mean, I won't go into the details, but that was, that was the most Man. at peace I've been oh my goodness. in, in months. And it was just, I mean, it was, it's not like, oh, I felt a little better. Like yeah. it was, there's no explanation beyond spiritual presence right. in like two or three different ways. And at 10 minutes it hit. And I was like, that might've been good enough. I'm like, nope, just go to 20. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do and see what God does. Yep. And by 15, it was that much better. And by 20, I was just blown away. And I just, yeah. I walked away and I was smiling and I was so engaged with my children last yeah. night, like Lincoln, I was just... And I'm, as I'm going through the rest of my yep. day, I'm like, this is so beautiful. I've never been so yep. happy and at peace, not ever, but it's been a yep. while. I'm like, and this is so simple to your point. This is right there. God's it's just inviting hard. me to do this every yeah. day. And I find an excuse not to, how much of a buffoon am I? And it was just, it's so apparent. And guess what? It's, we're at 520 and I didn't do it today. <laughs> I said I was going to, and I just, I ran. So the next 20 minutes, get out of here. Yeah. We'll, we'll Bennett and I will take yeah. this. So, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll see if I can hit it today. Cause I have to, anyway, but, um, yeah, uh, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 changes everything. Yeah, and but I just anybody listening to this, I just challenge you. It, 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 Twenty minutes, just say five minutes every day. I dare you yeah. to spend five minutes in dedicated prayer to God. Just just laying before Him your day, your day, and and if all your prayer is because where you're at is just say help, then say help. Yeah, but just lay it out for five minutes every day. Here's what's happening, Lord. May I have my eyes on you? Would you show me direction? Here, here's what's happening with my kids. Here's what's happening at work. And mm -hmm. tell him, speak about it. Read his word. I guarantee you, the world will change. Yeah. Like, why don't we? Why don't we actually do this? Like, here, here's one. Um, the most underlined passage in the Kindle edition of the Bible. Like, yeah. you know how it'll tell you how many underlines. The most underlined passage is in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Yeah. Right. But how many of us like put that into practice? And if you read Philippians 4, it is actually, especially the New Living Translation, if you read through there, it's like a step-by-step -step guide on exactly what to do when you experience worry. It says, first it says, don't worry, which, okay, all right, got it, stop. But how? Yeah. Well, what, what do you do with a bad habit? You replace it with a good one. Mm -hmm. So it says, don't worry. Instead, what does it say? Pray about everything. Yeah. So- Sometimes when we get pray, we like prayer, like we feel like it's got to be this big wordy, whatever. like prayer is, we've been, our creator has invited us to speak to him about mm -hmm. the most mundane things in our lives. Like tell him. And then it says, well, how do I pray? What do I pray about? The next, the next part of it is tell him what you need. So yeah. don't worry, pray about it. Okay. How? Tell him what I need. And I had, I'll just say, I'm not one who tends to get worked up or worried in college. I like, I could write a paper an hour before the class and it's like, it didn't even bother me. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think I started to lose sleep till I had kids. And it wasn't just because they were keeping me up at night. It's because yeah. I felt the weight of responsibility yep. for them. 100%. Uh, and, and then that worry, and that's what worry does. It's, it's a high sense of, um, let's see if I can get this right. It's where anxiety comes. It's, it's a low sense of control in a in a high sense of uh, something else, like yeah. variables that yeah. could go wrong. Yeah, or variables. Of, like yeah, yep. Yeah. Concern, yeah. high concern, 
low control. Mm-hmm. And anybody who has kids knows that that's the definition of having a kid, yeah. right? L- the low control, high concern, right? Yeah. So there we are, right in the anxiety worry stage. So so what do we do with that? We we uh, don't worry, we pray, we tell God what we need. So Lord, I I hit one night where it, like I said I didn't worry very often, but I hit one night where I was overwhelmed. Like I come into leadership in in the link organization here, and there were some big things that needed to be dealt with. I was worried and caring. It's like it's like it almost felt like I had a physical weight on my back that I was carrying, and just overwhelmed with it. And my wife was like, "Well, have you have you prayed about it?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Philippians four, don't worry, pray, tell them what I need. So I was just like, "Lord, I don't even know how to say what I need. I just need you. I need direction. I." I need to see the other side of this and mm-hmm. know that you're Lord. And I just I just said, said that. And then you know what it says right after that? It says, and the peace of God that transcends understanding will be yours. It's just like what you explained yeah. with your prayer, your prayer yesterday. Pray, tell them what you need. And the other side of that is the peace that every human on the planet is searching, searching for. And that's what I experienced. Yeah. One of the highest potential highest stress moments of my life turned to one of the most peaceful stress moments of my life yeah. in the course of walking through Philippians 4. Then I went to bed that night and I had one of those vivid dreams. And here's a whole nother spiritual conversation, uh, dreams that are from God, which I've had a couple of them in my life, dreams yeah. that are just clearly, this is not the pizza I had yesterday. This is <laughs> God is speaking. And I had a dream and, it, and I'll just give the really quick. It was I, I saw my cousin with her son, and God told me in the dream, tell her that uh, that everything's going to be okay and I've got him. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I woke up. This is a peaceful moment, trusting God, have this dream. Next morning- this is that night. Yeah, this is all the same yeah, night. Yeah. That next morning I wake up, I tell this to my wife, and I'm like, I had this dream. She's like, you got to tell your cousin that you had this dream. And I'm like, okay. Like- and and then I was like, is that from God or is it not? And I, I text my cousin and she writes me back 10 minutes later and she goes, wow, her son, she had been dropping off. He had some issues going on in his life. She had just dropped him off somewhere out like in Montana. Mm-hmm. He was going to be there for a week or two. She was super concerned with him. She had just sat down and then she gets my text and it just says, hey, God told me to tell you in a dream, you know, that mm-hmm. that that it's okay and I got him. And it's just like only God. Yeah. So God used my stress turned into peace and then my attunement into to him spoke into a dream that then brought peace into somebody else's life. I mean, it's yeah. just fascinating, 24 hours. It's almost as if, right? That's what God wants to do all the time. How about that? And that it, could be normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. The, this is the way the kingdom yes. of God would look. But what do we do with our life? Oh. Almost all the time, we're we're like we're trying to control everything. We That's don't make so time true. for like we just do everything in order to block him. He's just waiting and waiting, and finally gets that little in, and he goes for it. Yeah. And then how quickly though do we like three days go by and all yeah. of a sudden you're back to stressing and you forget? So it's just. And it, could we go there without having to have gone through the hardship? Like I, I, God uses that, like mm-hmm, the yeah. test of adversity and the test of prosperity like everybody's like give me the test of prosperity like, yeah. I'll, I'll take that one <laughs> yeah. right but the test of prosperity is harder because we think we don't need god mm-hmm. and then we think these other things are enough just just like i talked about with the professional athlete and others um but with the test of adversity 
when we know we desperately need God, mm-hmm. when everything else is stripped away from us, man, I mean, haven't you seen? I've seen every time God shows himself. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder, do I need to do I need to go through that test every time to learn that lesson? Or could I could I could I, Lord, live that every day? Yes. And the answer is probably yes. yes. We we could go the easy yes. route, but you keep doing it in such a way we have to go the hard route. <laughs> yep. Like sheep, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why he calls us sheep. Yeah. <laughs> it's an accurate, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I want to, I think this actually leads in quite well. Um, one other thing that's uh, that you can provide a lot of good insight on, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to just combine with some of these different things, is your role, your, what you've done as a parent yeah. and what you've kind of experienced. Like I said earlier, you have three kids in college? Yeah, I have three kids all in college. One about to get married actually this year. Yeah. So different stage. So yeah. I want to hear kind of a snapshot of where they're at and then a little bit of looking back. And I want to, you know. Yeah. These spiritual disciplines are these things that you, yeah. you know, would, would talk to them about, especially as yeah. they got older, things that yeah. you reflect on that were just really good successes, maybe not so much. And then I got a couple yeah. other questions on how that interacts with even some of the mission that you did, you know, yeah. in the inner city and such. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to take a quick restroom break. Yeah. So yeah, let's do that. It. And then we'll circle back okay. and dive into this. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Sounds good. Do it. All right, let's do it. Let's do this thing. Good to go, Bennett. Three, two, one, or just we're good. We're back. Okay. All right. Uh, real quick, actually, we'll probably answer that question. Yeah. On break, I thought of there's one I wanted to say, one other spiritual discipline. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, different different vocations have different levels of this, but certainly as like a pastor yeah. or any, anything where you have some kind of public figure aspect, yeah. you I think you really have to be careful what we were talking about with kind of a desire for honor. You do. Um, and one thing that I found is really helpful for that is just to kind of hyper analyze uh, the reality of the situation. Right. So for instance, if you give like a sermon or yeah. even like a podcast like this, let's say someone comes up and like, oh, you know, that was a really good podcast. Then you, then you say, okay, well, thank you. Right. Cause that's yeah. what you say. And then, then you can reflect on it and say, okay, well, why, why did that work out? And then if you start to like analyze that, you're like, oh yeah, like the, like what a wild thing the church got behind this. Look, think about the people on council that supported that. Think yeah. about Bennett who was, you know, doing this. And then you can even, you can go through all of that. Right. Yeah. And then you even get to like, Okay, well, what if you did do a good job on something? Well, the only reason if I did do a good job was probably because my parents were rock star parents. (laughs) And I happen to have a friend group that was like a really good friend group. And there's all of these external things, the more you look at it, in all of these places in life that have led to any kind of successes that you're a part of. And it just, the more you look at that, you realize, like, this is just, this is all external things that have been gifted in. In other words, the very simple statement that we so so often say, well, it's really God at work. Yep. If you actually look into it, that's not just a faith statement. It's yeah. actually a very tangible statement. So the more time you spend thinking, how have these external yeah. things led to this? That's so it good. allows you to still be entrepreneur and say, I got to go get this. Yeah. But do it in such a way where you're you're constantly watching God be the one at work. It It's so important because it's so dangerous if we don't. Mm-hmm. That's where there's a, there's this Boof movie about Christianity where the pastor's trying to one up what happened last week. And I've talked to mega church pastors that feel this way. Yeah. They're like, this Easter was so good. And then they're depressed because they're like, well, not, we won't be able to top it again. Yeah. How will we top it? And it's always about their performance. Yeah. Which is that's not worship. Right. Yeah. That's that's completely the wrong place. But there's a movie that spoofs that where the guy's just like, How are we going to do this? I know we're going to crucify somebody on stage. I did. So cheesy. Yeah. But yet I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. But it was like, yeah, that's what we're going to escalate to that point to get, get everybody's eyeballs. And and that's, that's what happens when we put it on us. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the thing about spiritual disciplines and kids, and it's really fun, you know, y'all on the podcast didn't see this, but Brian's daughter was just in Mm -hmm. here and getting to see the two of them together. We overcomplicate so many things and spiritual disciplines, they really are like kid level. I mean, what are we trying to teach our kids? Uh, but, but like the, the degree of prayer we're trying to teach them is the degree of prayer we should have like regularly, daily seeking the Lord, like, um, to, to, uh, to to have conversations with him, to read his word at the level that you're at. Mm-hmm. The key to cons- – because some of us do this, like, you know what? This year I'm getting in shape, so I'm going to go to the gym. And three days later, I've literally, like, pulled a muscle, <laughs> broken something. <laughs> Plantar fasciitis like, I, yeah, I, like Because we go from zero to 100 yeah. overnight. The key to a plan that, that works for physical disciplines, uh, diet disciplines, and spiritual disciplines is – is just consistently doing something that you can consistently do. Yep. Like that's it. Like start so for me, I had been a pastor for a number of years and then I thought, I don't think I've ever read all the way through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably pages I've never opened. Mm-hmm. Just kind of going around. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. But I didn't say I'm going to read the whole Bible in the next 30 days. Some of some of y'all listen to this probably did say that. January 1, the next 30 days. I got it all. The next 7. I just said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take a chapter a day and I'm going to work through it and I'm going to mark it with a pen. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, I did the whole Bible. And then I went back through again and I did it with a highlighter. Then I went back through again and did it with another highlighter. Now I open up my Bible. There's not a single page that doesn't have a mark on it. Mm. And it marks four years of my life of just steadily working through the word of God. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I'm a better everything because of that, that steady, consistent discipline. And now this year, my Bible study is one of the simplest I've ever done. Actually, I started it in January of 2022. I started reading one chapter a day, but I would read the same chapter for a week. So Monday ah, through yeah. Saturday, I just keep rereading it. Mm-hmm. And by Saturday, I, before I could even open even open the Bible, I'm like, I know exactly what it's going to say. But that's because repetition over every day has... So I'm I'm in year two, and I'm at the beginning of Exodus. You know, like, and that's so that my book. Genesis. Yeah. So it was a year in Genesis. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. there's about 50 chapters and mm-hmm. and uh, 52 weeks in a year. And now yeah. I'm in the, the entry point of Exodus and Moses and literally just a chapter. And it's amazing what happens, what you don't see the first time that you just keep reading mm-hmm. and it, 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 it hits you. So we overcomplicate it. Um, and one of the best ways to build in disciplines is build it into the things that we're already doing. Yeah. Um, it's just so important. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that apply to parenting? Yeah. Is there well, overlap there? Yeah, hugely. Um, I mean, if you think about what we're trying to do with with uh, with kids, first, we just want them to survive, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. okay, parent, parenting, number one, like Get I didn't do something stairs. that, yeah, like, yeah like, like I fed them. Yeah. Yeah. I kept them warm, you yeah. know, just the <laughs> basics. We got that. But then, but then step two is like we want them to grow into being good people. And I, I remember praying when my kids were little, like, would they be the best of both of us and the worst of neither? Um, but our kids don't remember, I don't remember every day I had with my kids, but the compound effect of the consistency of who we were with them speaks. It's just like most people don't remember sermons. They remember a sentence from that sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, but those kind of steady things can change. So I, 
I'm going to talk about a specific instance for me when my daughter was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And typically when we think about investing in a discipline or, sh- or sharing something like that with our kids, we're thinking about when they're little, which we definitely did. And, and, uh, and my brother even wrote a book on this family discipleship book, like about building in milestones and, and things that we picked up later in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but for this, this was a, this particular moment in my daughter's life. She's a freshman in high school. She's got a bad influence friend. There's a darkness, kind of like the oppression I experienced. I was watching that in mm-hmm. her. And as a parent, it, it, you just feel helpless. Like, what do I do? How do I help her? This is in your daughter's friend. This is my daughter this is your was daughter. The, feeling the darkness. Okay. And this friend was not a good influence. Yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. And so we're praying. What do we do about that? And I, um, I decided I wanted to do something consistent that let my daughter know that she's loved uh, and, uh, and it, it was mirroring a discipline for her, uh, to let her know that she was cared for. And what I started doing is every Sunday morning, I would take a rose and set it at my daughter's in front of my daughter's door. So when mm-hmm. she woke up on Sunday morning, there would be a rose for her. Mm-hmm. And some days, I mean, she basically stepped on it. Uh, yeah. Some days, some days she would put it in a, you know, a thing and keep it. But I just kept doing that mm-hmm. every week. And with that was a prayer, like, like Lord, watch over my girl. Lord, I love my baby girl. I want her mm-hmm. to know how much she's loved by you. And just the consistency of that. I did that every single Sunday until she went off to college. Uh, and then and then we have this spiritual milestone that we have developed as a family that when you turn 18, we sit down and we speak into you. Um, hey, you're an adult now. Um, we, uh, we recognize all these things in your life. We want to pray over you. Uh, and then we give a gift to to mark that moment. And for my daughter, I gifted her with a little necklace with a with a rose on it. Like, yeah. Okay, this to to continue to carry like I love you. Mm-hmm. And and so the the key to disciplines is they're a discipline. There's about consistency. So if you think about what are the things that we want to be doing consistently and and continue doing that. Um, so same thing with our with our babies, and we can do that from when they're just so little mm-hmm. is starting to build those those disciplines in. Uh, for a number of years, we had a time of worship where our kids would just play music. We'd invite other people over. We just called it family worship and we empowered them to to lead that time. Mm-hmm. Um, when, our, when those kids are little and you ask them to pray and they pray for five minutes babbling about all sorts of stuff, we just yeah. celebrated that. Yeah. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing I learned from a friend of mine and I'm kind of going all over the place, but but when your daughter was in here, it made me think of it because she had her little um, stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they were telling me that when their kids were little, they wanted to build the discipline of having deeper conversations mm-hmm. in a way that when the kids got older, that was natural to continue having. So what they did is at the end of every day, instead of just saying, well, how was your day or how are you? Um, they actually took the stuffed animal and they they talked, but they used the stuffed animal like, hey. Hey, honey, how was your day? And they just got used to having these conversations. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like this playtime, which is, it seems really strange, but it just, it added a layer. And, and then when for them, as they got older, and, and we put this into practice with our kids too, those real conversations um, went into much deeper and age appropriate things. I've never seen a family have deeper conversations and more real conversations than the one that started with just mm-hmm. daily mm-hmm. as a kid. Uh, doing that and and having that happen, and then and then when we think too about those disciplines, one of them for us was not just trying to pull out of our kids what's going on with them, 
But being transparent enough to share with them at age appropriate what's happening in your life. Mm. Uh, you know, especially with those teenagers, when those teenagers are at home and you want them to engage with you, um, I mean, it's, it's so hard. You aren't there yet. You're at the age where you're like, your kids are always wanting your attention. Yeah. But there will come a day when like your kid will will talk to you and you will drop everything. You'll be journaling about it. My child talked to me today. <laughs> like it, it's a it's a significant moment. Yeah. Um, because that's what happens when those teenagers are kind of building that independence. But but we create more of those moments by by um modeling them to them, just like we do everything else. They're gonna be more like who we are mm -hmm. than what we tell them. And so not to not be afraid to share with your kids, man, today was kind of a hard day for daddy. And, um, you know, it, again, age appropriate, mm -hmm. but it's amazing when at the dinner table you do that, what, how then they will return and actually talk about their day, especially the age of kids when they don't normally do that. Yeah. When you start with not tell me what's going on with you, but hey, I just want to tell you what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. The natural reflection is for them to do the same. Yeah. Um, which, which is such a powerful thing. And then the disciplines, like the family meals. I mean, that was something that was drilled into me growing up. And we did that with our kids. Just every day we are going to sit around the table without screens and we're going to, we're going to have real conversation. Mm -hmm. And now, man, now that my kids are older, we're transitioning into the stage of like, these are my friends. Yeah. Like we just genuinely enjoy each other's company mm -hmm. and talking and engaging. And I know that that's a gift that not everybody gets. And I think it's the fruit of seeds that were sowed years and years and years ago. Yeah. Uh, to see my kids flourishing in their faith. And, and, and I'll say this too. Some of us are watching our kids, uh, especially at those ages where they're more independent and they're struggling with their faith. And I, I have one of my kids, especially who did that in his high school years. And I remember saying to him, like we were able to have open conversations because we always did. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to him, like, it's okay. It's okay to wrestle, but just don't be apathetic. Mm -hmm. Ask the hard questions. God can handle your hard questions. Just don't don't shut off the seeking and asking of those questions. Mm -hmm. And it was hard, mm -hmm. um, but by God's grace, you know he's he's come around. And now I'm watching him be such a man of faith in college. And man, to see three kids in college who are strong believers in Jesus is such a uniquely awesome thing today. Mm -hmm. um, it's a gift. And, and, I'll, uh, and I'm kind of bouncing around a lot of places, no, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say that this is how it works. It's like a watering can. You know, I watch my wife. She just has this little watering can, but I watch her, especially in the spring and summer, every day go out and give a little bit of water to every plant and they're flourishing. And it's the same thing with our family and our kids. That's why a spiritual discipline is is also just being a good parent discipline. It's every day pouring a little bit into them, uh, sharing them with them the the good news of Jesus, at reading the word, uh, um, uh, singing the songs, uh, talking about the things. And it's just like pouring a little bit of water and you don't see it grow, them grow in the moment, but over, over decades, you, you watch them take deep roots and, uh, and, uh, and soar high. Hmm. And it's, that it's it's so critical mm -hmm. it's so crucial and the last thing is i'm kind of just going all all in on this is as your kids get older it's so important to be a part of the discipline of being a part of a church community is so huge mm -hmm. because for us 
there's just a stage where your kids don't hear it from you as well as they hear it from others. And when you've got other godly adults who they respect speaking into their lives, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. I I remember with both my boys going through a hard season uh, around some particular issues and to be able to say, hey, your uncle Adam is, you, you can talk to him and, and for them to have that conversation. Hey, the, the, uh, this family at church and these other adults are taking them out to coffee. And now I'm watching other families with younger kids than my kids, where my kids are the ones taking those young boys out to coffee and having those mm. same conversations. And they're becoming the mentors of the ones who, 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 uh, in the same way that somebody once mentored them. Yeah. So it's just, it's so critical. Mm-hmm. It's so critical to be intentional. Yeah. Um, and not the once once a once a year workout, but just the everyday little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's a comforting thing, I think, from a parenting perspective. Is mm. you know because that's a lot. There's a, there's anxiety that comes in there, right? Yes. If you want to talk about what was it, the unknown versus the yep. like things that could go wrong, was that yep. the two or yep, you know, every day you're like, did I do a good job? Did I not? But if yeah. you just know, if you just know, as you said, okay. I put the rose there, yeah. you know, or I had the conversation at the dinner table. If you know, you know, yeah. are you, are, do you have something that you know you're going to do tomorrow yeah. where you're going to pour into your child? And it yeah. doesn't mean that you go on a three hour trip. It just means, do you know yeah. what that is? Do you have a plan? And then at the end of the day, you can say, did I do that plan? And if you did do that plan, then yes. you can feel confident that you're taking those left, right steps that lead you down a path to where Be hopefully consistent. someday you can say all three of my kids are off at college yeah. and they're strong in their faith. And it's that's so the true. reward. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't do those things, you will regret them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's everybody, nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that, but sometimes we get in the habit of we're busy, we're tired. And, it's, and, and especially at the stage where your kids are knocking on your door all the time, it's easy to be like, Hey, here's the remote. Mm-hmm. Here's your iPad. Here's your whatever. And we just kind of, we give them a pacifier and I'm telling you, those are the moments that you'll, that are the most opportune and the moments we were getting, that you'll miss the most, uh, as your kids get older, mm-hmm. that to be in the habit of leaning in instead of, instead of pushing away, mm-hmm. um, it changes everything. And it's hard. It's hard when you're tired. It's hard when you're, it's hard when you've had a long day. Uh, but, but is there any greater job in the world than to pour into, um, these, these beautiful little people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. You're out of time. Yeah. yeah ben, I thank am. you. Your, yeah. your day has been jam-packed and you were yeah. able to get in here and now you've got another engagement yeah, here this evening. Thank you. So, yeah. Ben, thank you. Uh, I hope to have you back on because I have a bunch of number of questions. Yeah, I would enjoy still that. still want to yeah. get into. So, yeah. 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 If YouTube doesn't shut us down, we're in. If YouTube doesn't yeah. shut us down, <laughs> Bennett's going to war against YouTube right now. <laughs> nice. But yeah, Bennett, our, uh, Bennett, Ben, yeah. God bless you yeah, and thank cheers. you. Yeah. Honored. Appreciate it. Thank yep. you guys.